The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Uh, so, so we are we're, we're in this series, the story, and we're in week two, and and, and this week well, we're looking at the story of Abram. Abram, and, and I, we're just going to get right into it, and, and just so you're not thrown by it, uh, Abram, as he journeys with God, goes through a name change, right? He goes from Abram, which uh, loosely translated means daddy, uh, to Abraham, which loosely translated means big daddy, all right? So, so today I may call him Abram, I may call him Abraham, so don't be thrown by that. It's the same dude, all right? It's all the same guy, he just goes through a name change. Um, and so the story of Abraham, the, the call of Abraham, what we're going to look at today, I believe is one of the most important stories in the world right now. One of the most important stories in the world right now, and here's why. Uh, if you were to leave our, our beloved Pleasant Hill Elementary and, uh, and hang a right on Crystal Falls and take that over to Ronald Reagan, which is Parmer, for those of you that live south of 1431, and, and go south on Ronald Reagan all the way till you got to Brushy Creek Road, hang a right on Brushy Creek Road, drove on that for a couple miles... So you got to El Salido, and then turned left on El Salido, drove on that for about a mile. If you were to do all that, you'd realize why this story is so important. Because you know what you'll pass on that route? Several churches, an Islamic center, and a synagogue. 15-minute drive. In those 15 minutes, you'll run into three different communities of people, three different faiths that say Abraham is their guy. That if you were to ask them, they'd say, yeah, we're children of Abraham. The three of the major world religions look to Abraham as their father in the faith. That the majority of the population of the world right now says that Abraham is their father in the faith. And so do you think we could understand anything about world civilization if we don't understand this guy's story? Maybe we don't understand anything about our context today if we don't understand this guy's story. He's huge, massive, massive. And so let's get, get into his text today. And if you were with us last week or if you listened to the podcast, uh, we talked about creation. We talked about how God created the world and he created it good and, and he created humanity to be stewards of his creation and, and to walk with him and, and to know him and to love him. But that humanity ends up falling into sin, right? And they rebel against God. They, they turn away from him. Uh, but that God has a plan to redeem and restore people to him. But before that happens, what we see is this, that humanity turns from God in Genesis chapter 3. And then from Genesis 3 to 11, if, if you were to read through it, it's just this downward spiral of humanity where it drifts further and further away from God. It gets more and more destructive, more and more violent, and they drift further away from God and his ways, except for one line of people, the line of Seth line of Seth. In Genesis 4.26, uh, it says that the lineage of Seth, that people in that line, that family, began to call on the name of the Lord, which is a Hebrewism for saying began to, to worship God. And so you see, all right, the whole earth is just spiraling out of control, but there's this one line, this one family that all the way through Genesis chapter 3 to 11, everything else falling apart, these guys are worshiping God. These guys know who the creator of the world is. And then we get to Genesis chapter 11, right before our text for today. And uh, most people don't pick up on this because it's super boring because it's a genealogy. Uh, and, and so it's this genealogy, but it talks about what happens in that uh, there's, there's this guy, Nahor, and he has a son named Terah. And Terah moves to Ur of the Chaldeans and fathers Abram. You say, okay, well, what does that have to do with anything? A lot. Ur of the Chaldeans was the center of lunar worship in Mesopotamia. And the word Terah, the 
Abram's father's name, means moon. And so what the author of Genesis is trying to get us to see is that this family, this, they're, they're all from the line of Seth, but this family that's in the line of Seth has now shifted over to lunar worship. They're no longer worshiping the true God. They've shifted over to idolatry. Just think about that for a second. That right before we get to Genesis 12 here, what this text is telling us is that spiritually, in the entire world, the entire world, just think about this for a second, the last little candle has just flickered out. That the last people on earth who knew what God was, who knew what we were made for, it's done. They've just switched over to idol worship. And so the situation is hopeless. But then Genesis 12 happens, right? And the Lord speaks and hope springs forth. And God's words to Abram here change the course of history forever. Forever. And there's three parts to God's message to Abraham for us this morning that we're going to dig into. God tells Abraham to go. He tells him to journey. He tells him to bless. Okay? Go, journey, bless. So let's dig into it. God tells Abram to go. If you look with me at, at verse 1 in our text for today, it says this. God's speaking to Abraham and he says this. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. All right, so, so here's Abraham. He's this guy. He's an idol worshiper, doesn't know the true God, never talked to him, doesn't know who the creator God is. And then all of a sudden in Genesis 12, God shows up and talks to Abraham. And the first thing he says to him is, go. Is go. And it's actually kind of a, a soft translation. In, in the Hebrew, it's actually uh, two words used twice, which makes it like a superlative. And so really the way you'd normally translate it is like, go yourself. Or as the way the, the King James Version translates it, I love it, is uh, get thee out. Right? Let's bring that back, huh? Get thee out. And it's like, get going, son. Like that's, that's what he's saying is, is go. And why is that? Why is he saying that? Why is God, why is God so adamant about this? He's saying, go from your family, go from your father's house, go from everything you've ever known. Get out of there. Why is God saying that? Well, there's two parts. First of all, God's telling Abraham to leave. Right? He's saying, get away from this. Why? Because Abraham's living in the midst of idolatry. Right? He's, he's, he's living in, in the midst of worshiping the moon. That's what he does. And God's saying, that's no good. That's no good for you. That's no good for the world. Leave that stuff behind. Leave that junk behind. Get out of there. Stop worshiping that stuff. But then, part two, he says, leave that stuff behind, and then look at what he says, and go to a place that I will show you. So leave that in the past and go towards this in the future. Leave this back here and go towards this, the place I'm showing you. So get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your security zone. Go to the place that I will show you. Leave that place. Head towards this place. This is key for us to get. Because whenever God calls a person to follow after him, so Christian, when, when God calls you to follow after him, the message is always the same. It's go. It's go. It's leave that stuff behind and head towards this stuff. Right? So that, like Jesus. Jesus' message when he was here in the gospel, in the gospels, his message is the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. All right, so the kingdom of God is at hand, and he says, repent, leave that stuff behind, and then he says, and believe 
the good news. Head towards this stuff. Head towards God and his love for you and what he's doing in this world and the things that he cares about. Leave that stuff behind. Head towards this good stuff. And see, it's always both. Leave it behind. Head towards this. And there's some of you, man, who you're here today and you feel stuck spiritually. You feel stuck like you're just... I don't know what to do, man. I just, I feel deflated. I feel apathetic towards God and towards his purposes or whatever he's doing. It's because you probably have either haven't left something behind, that there's some sin, there's some darkness in your life that you've just become complacent in, that you've become okay with, and so that's holding you back. Or you haven't looked ahead and you haven't realized God has called you, he's sent you forward towards something else and you're not pursuing his purposes, and so you're just sitting in the middle. But we see here, God calls us to go, and to go is to do both to leave behind what needs to be left behind and to head towards what needs to be headed towards. And see, I, so, so you know this. There, there's people that tend to do just one, right? Like, like I've got friends, as I'm, I'm sure you do too, who uh, they're really good at leaving the stuff behind, right? Like they're, uh, we generally maybe would call them religious people. Like they, uh, they repent of their stuff and, and so they, now they don't like, you know, watch movies with bad words in them and, and you know, they never drink too much and, and they're in church every Sunday and that sort of thing. Uh, and they follow all the rules really well, right? They, they turn from sin and, and that's a good thing. But that's all they do. They just turn from sin. They just, well, see you later. They just stand here. They don't turn towards God. They don't start pursuing the things that he cares about. They don't chase after him and where he sent them and the people he sent them to care for. They aren't helping others. They're just keeping themselves pure from the things of this world. But they're not heading towards the things of God. And so they're boring, and they're not very useful in God's kingdom, right? But then I got other friends who are like, ah, that repentance stuff, no way, man, let's just get going, right? And they're, they're really passionate about pursuing and chasing hard after the things of God, and they care about other people, and they love the poor, and they're passionate about the mission of God and sharing the gospel, and they are absolutely insufferable to be around. Why? Because they're self-righteous. They're pride-filled and they're arrogant. They're always doing more than others because they didn't take the time to repent. They didn't take the time to leave behind what they need to leave behind, their pride, their arrogance, as they pursue the mission of God. You've got to do both, right? That's what it means to go. You turn from these things and you head towards these things. That's what it is to go. And so if you feel stuck spiritually, just ask yourself these questions. What, what sin, what darkness is God asking me to leave behind? Or, conversely, what is he calling me to pursue? What's he calling me to chase after? Go. You've got to do both. So that's the first part of God's message to Abraham. But then we get to verse 2. If you all would look at it with me. It says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And so we see in verse 2 here, man, God makes a bunch of promises to Abram, right? He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. He makes all these promises. Genesis chapter 12 makes these great promises. I'm going to make you a great nation. 13 chapters later in the book of Genesis, Genesis 25, that's the right math, uh, Abram's story ends. And do you know how it ends? He dies like everybody else. And guess what? When he dies, he's not a great nation. And his name isn't that great. At best, by the end of his story, Abraham's a, a rich nomad. That's about it. 
He's a rich nomad. That's, that's about what he's done by the time he dies this side of eternity. So what we see here is Abraham leaves, but he never arrives. He's always on a journey. He goes on a journey, but he never arrives. He doesn't become a great nation in his lifetime. As one theologian put it, Abraham spends his whole life living in the gap between promise and reality. He spends his whole life living between the gap of promise and reality. And because of that, what we see in the New Testament is that the New Testament writers again and again and again compare the Christian life to the life of Abraham. Because in many ways, that's our life, that that if you call yourself a Christian, you're, you're really living in this gap between promise and reality. That we may know what God's word says and what he's promised to us, but we also know the reality of the situation that we're in. And we say, I haven't seen this fully fulfilled yet, but I'm going to keep living into that promise. I'm going to keep heading towards that promise. That was the same thing Abraham had to do. God calls Abraham to leave his family, to leave his culture, and yet he never lands anywhere new. This side of eternity. And the same could be said of us, right? Like, as Christians, we firmly believe, right, that, that God is in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. That through Jesus' death and resurrection, God is, is reconciling the world to himself. He's setting all things right. That's a promise we hold on to, but that's a reality we don't always see, right? And so we live in this gap between now and when that promise becomes a reality. And that's anything but easy, right? It's anything but a pat answer. That's where I think, man, I got some friends that will critique my beliefs and say, Gabe, you know, you're a Christian because you just like having pat answers. You just like to have pat answers. Dude, this is not a pat answer. It's anything but that, right? Because a Christian, we live towards that promise, but we're not actually in the reality of it yet, and so we become strangers within our own culture. We become strangers within our own culture. Uh, In his book, Exclusion and Embrace, uh, Yale professor Miroslav Volf uh, comments on this difficulty as, as Christians, how, how we become strangers in our cult, own culture and how difficult this journey is. It's, it's a long quote, but hang in there with me. He says this, The courage to break his cultural and familial ties and abandon the gods of his ancestors out of allegiance to a god of all families and all cultures was the original Abrahamic revolution. In the same way, Christians depart from their original culture. Christians can never be, first of all, Asians or Americans, Russians or Tutsis, and then Christians. Christians take a distance from the gods of their own culture because they give the ultimate allegiance to the God of all cultures and his promised future. But now in Christ, departure is no longer a spatial category. It takes place within the cultural space one inhabits. It involves neither a modern attempt to build a new heaven out of the world nor a postmodern restlessness that fears to arrive anywhere. When they respond to the call of the gospel, they put one foot outside their culture while the other remains firmly planted in it. Christian distance is not flight from one's original culture, but a new way of living within it because of the new vision of peace and joy in Christ. Do you get what he's saying here? Like, this is the challenge of the Christian journey. Because, see, it would be so easy, man. It would be so easy, as some people do. Many people do this. They say, hey, oh, I'm, I'm a Christian now, and so I'm just removing myself from all that messy worldliness stuff over there. I'm removing myself from that culture over there, and I'm just going to do things that have the adjective Christian attached to it, 
right, and just avoid anything else. And just completely step away from the culture. A lot of people do that. Or another thing people do is they say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but it's kind of like just this like spiritual thing that fills in the gaps for me when I'm feeling lonely. Uh, but I, I pretty much let culture dictate what's true for me. I let the TV tell me how I should live. And so, so that's how I'm going to do things. Both those ways are easy and both those ways are very common. But what Wolf is pointing out here is the challenge is to live one foot in and one foot out. To go but never arrive. To live in the gap between promise and reality. As a Christian, you can't just walk away from the culture and you can't just conform to it. It's one foot in, it's one foot out. And you say, well, what does that look like, Gabe? What do you, what do you, how does that look like for me? Well, uh, this past week, I was blessed with the opportunity to, uh, to speak up in, in Waco uh, to some people. What was I doing? Oh, yeah, they were interested in what we're doing, church planting and, and planting more churches and, and all the, the things going on here at, at Acts Church Leander. And so I was really honored to go and speak and share what we're doing and and I did that, and I spoke alongside a, gay, a guy named uh, Karim Badawi. And uh, Karim is, is this dude, he, he shared his story. He grew up in Morocco, uh, and he was, he was raised a Muslim. Uh, but through a series of events that I don't have time to go into, uh, he converted, became a Christian, became a follower of Jesus, and, uh, and now he lives in the, the DFW area. And he runs a ministry called Disciples of the Way, uh, which specifically uh, reaches out to, to Muslim folks in the, uh, the DFW area. Uh, but he told a story about how he was living in Dallas and, and he, um, he was working at a church as he's getting this ministry started and he's moving stuff around in his office one day and he had a friend of his, uh, what was his friend's name, Amir, and, and he's moving stuff around with Amir in his office and this lady from the church comes in and says, uh, hey Kareem, uh, how's it going? He says, good. She says, hey, so uh, who's your friend over here? And he says, oh, this is Amir. And the lady went up to him and goes, where's he from? And, uh, and he goes, oh, he's, he's from Iraq. And the lady goes, oh, he's from Iraq. Since when did we start letting Muslims in our church? And Kareem said, whoa. He said to her, like, he said, you, you know, I, I was a Muslim, right? And, and she said, yeah, but you're different. And he said to her, no, I'm not. He said, no, I'm not. We all need Jesus. Brilliant answer. Now, do you see what Kareem did there brilliantly, right? He's got one foot in, one foot out. He doesn't abandon his culture. He doesn't walk away from where he's come from, but he doesn't compromise Jesus. It's one foot in and one foot out. And you see how this lady misses that, right? She puts her identity as an American, her fears as an American, ahead of her identity in a God who transcends all cultures and transcends all countries. The Christian is never fully at home in any one culture and never fully separate from any one culture. It's one foot in, one foot out. We live between promise and and reality. That's the journey of the Christian. You say, why do we do that then? Why, why is this our journey? Point three, it's because we're meant to be a blessing. Look with me at verse three. God's speaking to Abram and he says this, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's speaking to Abraham, and he says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Another way to say that is like, in your line, from your family, from the nation that I create from you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. How does that happen? How does God bless the entire world through Abraham's line? The primary way he does it is through the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is who this promise is all about. 
Jesus is from the family of Abraham. He's from the nation of Abraham. And through him, all nations are blessed. All people are blessed. Jesus is for all people, which means he's not the leader of a Western religion, right? And he's not just a great prophet. And he's not only important to backwards folks in the Bible Belt. No, Jesus is the savior of the whole world. He's the fulfillment of this promise to Abraham. And see, that's, that's why I love that we're doing this story because, listen, like, so God makes this promise to Abraham like 4,000 years ago from where we are right now, a little over that. But 2,000 years ago, when the Apostle Paul was putting together the New Testament, he couldn't get over it. He was like, oh my gosh, th- this was talking about Jesus way back then. And so in all of the letters of the New Testament, again and again, Paul's talking about Abraham and, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. And in particular, man, we don't have time to do it, but if you were to read through Galatians chapter 3, because you got extra time this week, uh, it will blow your mind. He says, this is Jesus again and again and again. Just look at a few of the sections with me, Galatians 3. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that's us, uh, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Right? So quotes Genesis 12. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Think about how amazing this is. Paul wrote this 2,000 years after God promised Abraham that through his line, through his descendants, the entire world would be blessed. And Paul's saying, in Jesus, in the person of Jesus Christ, this is actually happening. That in him, anybody, anywhere, regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they're coming from, no matter what, they can be brought into this nation. They can be brought into the people of God because Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. And so as you put your trust in Jesus and his work for you on the cross, that you're brought into the family of God, that you're the heir of the promise, you're part of God's people. And as such, we see in this text, in Genesis 12, that God tells Abraham, simply put, you're blessed to be a blessing. Right? You're blessed to be a blessing. That means that we, 4,000 years since God made this, made this promise to Abraham, have the opportunity to actually fulfill it. We actually have the opportunity to be people that are blessed to bless others. And I realize, like, Blessed to be a blessing, like it's kind of a Christianese saying, right? Like it's a little overused, little, like it just kind of falls on deaf ears sometimes in one ear, out the other. Um, but I was like thinking about it this week because, I, I mean, it's really just what this text says and so I can't, I can't get away from it. And so I was like, well, what, is, what does that mean? So, so, so I'm blessed, all right, that's good. So that means, how am I blessed in Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm set free, I'm, I'm made God's child, I'm, I'm redeemed, I'm, I'm with him now and forever, all right? So I'm definitely blessed, that's great. And then I said, all right, so... How am I blessing others? And then I really started thinking about it. I said, no, like concretely, Gabe, like who are you blessing right now? Who are you actively blessing? Who are you caring for? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who would say, because Gabe Casper is in my life, I'm blessed? And I just went through that process and started to think about that. I'm blessed. Am I blessing others? And so I'd ask you all to consider that. I think it's a good practice for Christians to do. 
if you're blessed to be a blessing, who are you blessing? Who are you blessing? Who in your life right now would say, because this person's in my life, I'm blessed? Who's God calling you to bless? Like, who in your head do you see? It's a good question. It's because of Jesus, God brings you into his story, and he uses you as a blessing for the whole world. That's what it is to be a part of God's people. That's, that's what we do as his church. Bless others. Uh, one of my favorite theologians, he's a, a Duke professor, Stanley Howarros, puts it like this. The message that sustains the church is not for itself, but for the whole world. The church having significance only as God's means for saving the whole world. The church is God's means of a major offensive against the world, for the world. So who are you blessing? Who are you blessing? Uh, so I was on the phone this week with a friend of mine who uh, was telling me about this opportunity he has to go teach at a new seminary in Ethiopia. And uh, he was really excited about it. He, he spent a bunch of time in West Africa, but never in East Africa. And so he was excited to head over there and, and, and teach in this new seminary. And he's telling me about this church uh, in Ethiopia and, and uh, some of the things that they were doing. And one of the stories he told me uh, just really stuck out to me and, and something I feel rings true with, uh, with this text of, of blessing others. And uh, so what happens in, in Ethiopia is there's, there's a group of dudes that were not happy that the Christian church was there. And they got really mad about it one day. And so they kind of went around to these different villages and uh, started burning church buildings to the ground. Like just going and, and torching them and burning them. This true story happened a couple of years ago. And, and so they're doing this. And eventually these guys get caught. They get arrested and they get thrown in prison. And it turns out that the conditions of this prison were just like really, really bad. Um, you know, there wasn't food, there wasn't clothing for them, there wasn't water for them, they were just like in a rough spot. And so people from the closest church to this jail, to this prison, whose church got burned down by these guys, went into the prison and took care of these dudes. Gave them food, gave them water, gave them clothing, brought them God's word. And wouldn't you know it, that when these men were released from prison, several of them became part of a church that they had once burned to the ground. It's amazing what happens when the people of God bless others. It's amazing. So in Jesus, God has blessed you, and he's called you to go. He's called you to journey one foot in, one foot out. That's probably mine. Um, actually, should we see? Hold on. The moment's already gone, right? So... It is. Thank you. I should totally do that for effect sometime. I don't know, I don't know like how to make it work, but that would be awesome. Oh, terrible. I hope you guys get a new pastor. Um, where was I? Bless others, right? I love like one sentence left. Come on. Uh, and so uh, let's do that, right? And let's do it with joy. Thank goodness God gives us joy, right? And, uh, and so let's, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, you are good. You are in control of all things. Uh, that the, the words that I try to write and the things that I try to create are nothing compared to what your spirit would do. And nothing stands in the way of that. And so God, I just uh, pray for your people gathered here that they would go, that they'd leave behind sins they need to leave behind, that they'd head towards the things that you've called them to, 
that they journey, Lord, that they keep one foot in our culture and one foot out and seek to, to follow you and chase hard after you. And Lord, that we would bless others, that we'd recognize that in your Son we have been given everything we need and that now we can live for the sake of others. God, teach us to do that well. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.